welcome to Short and Junk. Tonight we're going to answer the question, how do you determine what idea works best as a short story versus a novella or a novel? Now, in a previous episode of Short and Junk, we talked about short stories and how to keep them short and how that doesn't often work out because of the idea management and maintenance and how some ideas are bigger than you think they are. Well, honestly, when it comes to determining how, how big an idea, idea is, it, it's about experience. And it's also about fandom. I mean, literally, it's about fandom. Um, because if I say character A gets betrayed and goes back in time, in Harry Potter, that is every bit of 150K. But I wrote it in 75K in 911. I mean, I did time travel and soulmates which I very well from my point of view, um, in like 75K, under 75K in 911. I couldn't do that on a bet in Harry Potter. So, like, not only does the idea itself matter, but the three books, four, oh, four, yeah, fuck me at four. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be four. Um, but yeah, that's a different idea. Like, because the first two books weren't um, time travel. So, you know, the time travel element um, is settled in that book. And then, yeah, they were soulmates. Um, but it also, that idea was always going to be big, which is why I broke it up into three parts originally and why I decided when I was writing part four of Heart and Soul, that or part three of Heart and Soul, that I would do a part four because I really wanted to explore um, opening the door to Avalon which I've never done before. I've alluded to it several times in different fics, um, but I've never done it. Um, and I, I want to write it. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about the idea of, of, of that. And I think it probably is influenced by the art of Exodus because of, of what I'm doing with, with Rizal's character. And I do like to mirror circumstances sometimes in my fics to kind of explore the, the, a concept multiple different ways and so in some ways like opening the door to Avalon with Harry Potter is very similar to building a gateway to Arda with with Rizal. Different outcomes obviously um, but I think it will be really interesting and exciting to do so that, that will be fun but so sometimes ideas are small and they're overtly small and you know it and other times you have to really dedicate yourself to your word economics and have a great deal of discipline to keep an idea small. And honestly, in fandom, that is a decision that you get to make. It can be as long, I mean, it can be, it can, it can be what you make it. And some writers need a lot of room to tell the same story because you, the narrative is going to be different. Um, sentence length will be different. The approach to characterization will be different. We have explored that, you know, using the same idea in some prompts on Rough Trade uh, in the forum. And they're on my site. Julie did some. Lady Holder did some. And where we all had the same basic principle and what we did with it was often, sometimes it was pretty close to the same. Like there was, there's one in particular that unless, like, we saw somebody looking for this particular story and the only reason we knew the difference between mine and Jilly's is because mine had sex in it and hers didn't. Because the setup was the same and we went along a similar path until that until that point of turning in the relationship between Tony and Ian. Um, mine was Axiom and Jilly's was... What 
what, what would she call hers? Lady Holder? It's the one where Tony and Ian meet at Daring. Um, 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 Julie's is called Daring. So if you go to my site or Julie's and look up Daring for her or Axiom for me, um, hers will be linked on mine so you can read them both and see the difference between the two of them. Um, because, so, but they ended up being very similar in links because that was the point. We actually put a, um, a links maximum on those prompts. Um, because that was also part of the challenge. And, uh, <coughs> when you've been writing as long as I have, I've been writing for 35 years. Um, it becomes more difficult to challenge yourself. I mean, I am averaging 65 to 75 K words a month now. Um, with honestly, without even trying, I wrote 10 K in the last two days. Um, and I only had about six hours of writing time total. But it was dedicated writing time. Yeah, the three of us did the Stargate one. Where John thinks about retiring badly. Mine was called 38. Um, um, but little ideas can get huge. And it's because you have that what if moment. That moment of inspiration. What if? And most ideas, if you, if you take apart an idea... Any idea that I've done as a short, I could have done as a long. I could have, I could have busted out. Accidental Dragon Slayer was one sentence away from 100k. I want you guys to know that. If I had written one more sentence, that would have been chapter one of that, of that book. And I can't say I won't go back and do it one day, to be perfectly honest. Because it was literally one sentence away from being a full novel. Because if I had done it, if I had made that sentence... I would have, I wouldn't have stopped until I, I would have had, actually, I would have had to stop and plot because I only had like three plot points for that short story. And I was like, I have to stop or I'm going to have to actually do a big plot and write for a year. So I stopped. Well, it wouldn't be a year, but you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Um, so sometimes you have this little idea. And my little idea was was obviously with, the, with that particular prompt, and Jilly did it too, was that we were going to write a story about Bilbo accidentally killing the dragon in The Hobbit and what the consequences would be of that, or just killing the dragon. I forget what the actual prompt was. What was the actual prompt? Yeah, Bilbo accidentally kills Smog and has to figure out how to tell the Dwaro, um that, that he's killed the dragon. Um, and so she wrote it and I wrote it and, um, honestly, if I had written, hers is called the, an unusual, how do you say that word, y'all? Milady? 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 Malady? 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 Milady? Milady. Okay. An unusual Milady. And it's on, um, her site as well. And mine was called the Accidental Dragon Slayer. Um, it's because, oh, Okay, mal, malady, malady. Either way, she's always giving her stuff names I can't pronounce. Can we talk about that one in Latin? And it's honestly my fault because I was the one that suggested that poem. And then she named her story that, and I'm like, I can't pronounce that shit. Oh, and and Lady Holder did that prompt too. It's called To Bella Dragon, um, malediction. I can say that one, malediction, malady. Okay. And as did it, as what was yours titled? That tried to be a really popular prompt. <laughs> Bilbo accidentally killing the dragon. <laughs> what, Xena? It's called Broad Rose and it's on AO3. 
Yes, it's still a prompt, Tim. You can download the art. You can take the art, put your own title on it, and fill the prompt. It's on Rough Trade. Um, there's a little prompt channel. Briar Rose on AO3. Okay, okay. I think I, I've read that as. I read that. Um, it, uh, so, yeah, all those prompts are still on Rough Trade, and you can read them. I think they're also listed on Writing and Drunk. Um, I think I made a page of them just so that I would have a place to stick, to stick them. Yeah, it's called the 2019 One Sentence Prompts, and it's under the Writing Prompts and Challenges. And we did a, a couple of different ones. Um, and all the prompts on uh, Writing and Drunk, the calendar, the um, One Sentence Prompts, and let's see what else we got there. We got the One Sentence Prompts and the 2021 calendar. Those are always available. You can do them whenever you want. They're just there. They're just there for inspiration. And as it's called, her story was called about Bilbo accidentally killing the dragon. It was called Sweet Briar Rose, and her um, author name on Ao3 is the Wizard of Az. A Z, the Wizard of Az. Wizard underscore of underscore Az. A Z. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah. So those were all answered on a short prompt, and our purpose was to write a short story. So we did. But I'm telling you, if I'd have written one more sentence, I'd have lost my mind. I'd still be, I'd, I'd, I'd apply the whole damn novel. And eventually I probably will, honestly. There are a couple of shorts I would like to expand um, on my site. And the Accidental Dragon Slayer is one of them. Because um, it amuses me. Another relatively short story on my site is the Air the Angels Breathe. It's 7K ish seven ish k and it was a very small idea and that idea came because dances with gary made a picture of she did an artwork of john shepherd with wings and hers had gold wings and it was gorgeous it was beautiful i think it's i think it was attached to a project was it slouching towards bethlehem lady holder I don't remember exactly, but it was beautiful. It was beautiful art. And I was like, I love this art. I would love to see John with black wings. And the next thing I know, the beautiful and amazing Dances with Gary, who is a, um, was a great writer and um, artist in um, Stargate um, Universe um, fandom, sent me art with John with beautiful black wings. And I'm like, now I have to write a story. So I did. And now recently I wrote a novel link sequel to that short story. Um, but it was never my intention to do so. I was just looking around my site and I read the air, the angels breathe and I saw some things in it that I wanted to change. So I updated the fic and I thought, well, what happened next? This is what happened on Atlantis. What happened on earth? What were the ramifications of this? What did John sacrificing his privacy to save Rodney's life do? What were the results of that? What were the consequences? And, um, that's where I'm going to put your story, your question in my list, um, Phoenix. Um, and it, uh, yeah, <laughs> the consequences, Patrick's going to tap that and tap that he did. Um, so I wrote where angels fear to tread. Um, and this is a really interesting consequence of this because I had this idea and it was, okay, this is a novel. I did my plotting. Um, this is what I'm going to do with it. And then I wrote Charlie O'Neill as this young man coming into his own, about to graduate 
high school, going to, you know, picking out what he's going to do with his life and having to deal with his mom getting remarried and his dad, you know, being single. And, um, you know, he's trying to have a good step-parent experience. So he's picked up Patrick Shepard for that. And Patrick's on board that train. Um, and dealing with his own mutation, because I thought, well, Charlie would be a mutant too. And that was how I ended up saving Charlie in that particular universe and how Charlie lived is because he was a mutant. Um, and there's a lot of hints about Charlie's mutation and what it means for him. But for those of you who read X-Men, Charlie is basically the Wolverine. And that is exactly what you think it is. Yeah. <laughs> so knowing that about Charlie, I kind of want to write another book. So I had this tiny idea in the air that angels breathe based on the art that the amazing dances with Gary sent me and I wrote it and then I got a bigger idea out of it when I was rereading it and so I wrote that and now I have this this moment in my head with Charlie O'Neill um where he inadvertently finds out he has bone claws um because he doesn't know he's never broken a bone he's never had x-rays they've never come out He's he's very easygoing. He's never had a moment where he had to defend himself because he's got security and his dad is Jack O'Neill. This is this is not a boy who's ever had to worry about his own personal safety because he's been under Marine Guard since he was eight years old, basically. Um, and I had this moment where I thought, well, what would happen? Because I know he's got these claws. What would happen? How would how would they come out? Um, and what would that do to his life for the, um, 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 uh, for that moment to happen for him and to, to, uh, and how it would be exposed. Um, and again, that goes back to the exposure idea that John had in the air that angels breathe. And so I don't know how big that idea is when you look at it, like from the outside, when I look at it from the outside, okay, that's, that's one scene that is the inciting action Oh, 50 K is that wishful thinking? Because cause you have to think about, no, it, it is. Because there are a couple of ways it could be approached. Because if it's, <laughs> there's one court scene. I don't know. I, I guess it depends on whether or not the person he defends himself from lives or dies. Um, but the question becomes is, does it happen in public? Does the person die? What are the consequences? If it happens on his father's property and it's, classified it's a short story if it happens on esther's college campus wherever she ends up at college it's on youtube <laughs> actually i don't think youtube existed then did it when did youtube come out because well no i mean yeah yeah youtube would have been the up uh, yeah i forget what year i put that story in so yeah to, youtube would exist um barely kind of <coughs> anyways so it really just, it depends on what I plot the consequences to be. If it's hushed up, it's just a moment of adjustment for, for Charlie. And it would be, it, it could be, I don't know, 15 to 20 K of Jack helping Charlie deal with this part of himself that he didn't know he had. Um, but if it happened in a very public fashion, you're looking at, an investigation there's probably a conspiracy like why did it happen who was he defending was he defending himself was he defending esther um was it about his mother because someone mentioned this, the stepfather situation um who's a douche but he's not a bad douche he's just a douche um 
And but honestly, when your dad saves a planet, <laughs> you're gonna be really difficult to impress. <laughs> and an accountant from Santa Barbara isn't gonna make the cut. <laughs> And that's the truth of that, you know, because this, this dude's an accountant. He doesn't, he's not interested in any of the outdoor activities that, that Charlie is really enamored with. You're not going to catch him cross-country skiing or surfing or parasailing. Whereas his dad's all in on all that shit, right? Because, um, <laughs> right, you know, Charlie's got standards and Patrick Shepard's meeting them. <laughs> so, yeah, it's so... When you're building, like you have this tiny idea, or it could be a tiny idea. You you have this what if moment, and the consequences of that what if are is is how you build your story, whether it is twenty five k or fifty k or a hundred k. Um, the fact of the matter is, is I could, pr I could, and I have considered writing that particular moment in. To where angels fear to tread. And if I do. It would make that fic probably upwards of 100k. Where I think right now it's sitting at around 70-ish. Right? I can't remember. It's not that much bigger than I thought it would be. It's like 70 something I think. I have to look. But I think if I added that element in. And kind of wove that into the consequences. Of Patrick being in Colorado. And the program getting more attention because of John. And Jack. Um, being an access point, 64K on RT, on RT, okay, so currently it's 64K. So if I wove in a, an overtly hostile response to them not getting their hands on John and them seeing Charlie as a, uh, somebody seeing Charlie as a method of controlling Jack O'Neill and someone comes at him and Esther Say, like, when they go to the movies, during that one part where they go to the movies while Jack is in the mountain, um, to try to gain some leverage over Jack O'Neill, which is a dumbass fucking thing to do, but, you know, people get desperate and do, and do dumb things. Um, and Charlie responds in the way that, uh, he, that he could physically do, but doesn't know that he can. Um, what are the consequences of that? And so, like, currently at 64K, if I put that in... I think I'd probably, am I, I'm, am I 10 chapters or 15 chapters? I think I'm 10 chapters, 10. Um, I think I'm 10 chapters. So if I did that, I would probably, yeah, but, but one of the posts is two chapters. So, so I think it's 10 chapters. Um, yeah, I think post nine has chapters nine and 10 on it. Um, so if I added that element in to that particular book, I think to give it justice and to round out the rest of the story, um, I would have to go up to around 100K, um, which would put me between 20 and 22 chapters, probably-ish. I'd want to go for 20 because of my OCD. Um, but you have to look at the consequences of that, how it happens, where it happens. And so... When you are structuring your ideas around the concept of a short story, a novella, or a novel, what I would recommend is that you not marry one particular length at the beginning. 
unless like you're doing it for challenge, it's one of the reasons why I stopped doing the very short challenge on Rough Trade is that it was stressing me the fuck out. And if it was stressing me the fuck out, I assumed that it was probably stressing other people out. Um, so what we did was, is we moved to a different kind of method on Rough Trade where your minimum is 25k. That's your goal. Um, if you don't get it, if you don't make it, you don't get a cookie from me. I don't, I don't send cookies anyway. Sorry. Um, th th there's no punishment for not getting it, but that's your goal for, for, for any rough trade challenge. You're 25K in. That's your goal. Um, but there is no maximum because it was really fucking stressful. And so what it does, what it did was, is that it allows you to shape the challenge for yourself. Do you want to do 25K or do you want to do 50? Do you want to do two stories or do you want to do one? Demma, I didn't pick out the movie because I realized I was going to have to research movie theaters in Colorado Springs and I had to pick a date so I would know what was playing and I got frustrated with the idea of that so I um, didn't do it. I have done that once before. There is an episode of Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond where Harry and Hermione go to the movies in the muggle world and I actually looked up what was playing on that date in 1996 in London so that I could get the movie right and they went to see Dangerous Minds because um, that was literally playing in a movie theater in 1996 on that day <laughs> because someone would check because they're assholes well, that movie came out in 1972 because I don't believe for a minute it was playing on that day fuck you <laughs> I did find it, I think, in an online newspaper archive, art, uh, uh, Arate. So, but yeah, I, if I did that scene with Charlie and them getting accosted by the NID or the trust, I would definitely have to look up the movie that, that, that they went to see. Um, and so, yeah. When I wrote The Unspeakable Plot, I went through on a calendar and marked all of the full moon. Um, nights because it would impact my interactions with Remus throughout the series because it takes place during third year. I also did class schedules for them too. They're not in the book because I've seen writers do that in Harry Potter, but I do have extensive class schedules um, for um, for the characters and like I even know Minerva's schedule, like when she's teaching, when she's not teaching, what her free periods are. Um, so yeah. <laughs> I researched the fuck out of that because that's a big project. And when you have a big project with a lot of moving parts, you want to be able to answer those questions for yourself on the fly when you're writing. And the best way to do that is to prepare in advance. Um, I didn't look the movie up when I was plotting, when I was plotting where angels fear to tread. And it pissed me off when I was writing not to have it. Cause I would also have to pick a movie that wouldn't have a, um, I have to figure out like what, like what ages were, for the time period, like who could see an R movie, who couldn't see an R movie. And I think it was 18. It might have been I mean, good. It, it depends on the state, right? Maybe. I don't know. I have to look it up. Because it, cause he's 18 and she's 17. So if she is 17, they probably can't go see an R movie without a parent. I don't think. During that time period. <coughs> is it 18 today? Was it always 18? I don't think it was always 18. So it's something that I have to look up, right? It's, that's that's something you have to take into account. Yeah, like especially if like like went to a movie theater where one of their friends was working, 
then they probably would not get carded for buying tickets if their friend was running the ticket booth. So those are kind of details that matter because some readers will come along and push your buttons about it. But, so, unless you're in a challenge environment where you have to meet a specific word count, when you're noodling your idea, when you're doing your plotting, if you plot, or if you're just meandering through the thought process that you take as your process, whatever process you have, unless you have a requirement that you have to meet, shape your idea first and then assign a label to it. Okay, this is a short story or this is a novella or this is a novel. Um, it will just save you time. And also, if you get into the writing and you realize that your that your novel is going to be unspeakably large, it's perfectly okay to stop and figure out how to break it up into novellas or episodes. That's a perfectly reasonable thing to do. And in fandom, that is absolutely 100% your choice. Because it is what it is. I mean, you don't owe anybody but yourself when it comes to your fan work. And sometimes you want to write a short story because it's very um, validating to write the end and be done. Even if you only wrote 7K. The end. I'm done. Ta-da. <laughs> Ta-da. <laughs> because, and you're, you're like, that, that, that kind of validation is important. It's, it's the only validation you can really depend on is, is your own. Um, because readers are fickle. Uh, but being able to say, okay, I'm done, I'm finished, that was complete, check it off, put it in my database, revealing my OCD, done. Ha. Ready to go. And then, you know, edit it or not and publish it. <laughs> it is what it is. And if you don't edit it, in the warning section, put no beta and move on. Because fuck that noise. I, you, one of the things about fandom that drives me nuts is this assumption on the part of people who are just readers that writers are required to put out perfect material for them to read for free. Honestly, fuck you. <laughs> I just, I don't, I, I, <laughs> that's probably my biggest pet peeve in fandom. And it always has been. Like, how dare you complain about the free fiction I just gave you? Fuck you. Yeah, Graham really banned us from me a lot. Whatever. <laughs> I tried. Move on. Anyways. Well, thank you guys for hanging out with me for this episode of Short and Junk. And have a great evening. <laughs>